right, well, today is April 11th, 2018, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm exhausted. Uh, there's been a ton of wrestling on the past few days and a lot to keep up with. And unfortunately, a lot of it, in my opinion, has failed to deliver. But joining me today to talk about all of this and more from Midcard Mana, the intelligent, funny, and always charming wrestling connoisseur himself, Sam Keola. Sam, welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, well, we've got a lot to talk about today, and we should be free and clear from any possible technical difficulties this time. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive right into it with, uh, I guess we'll talk about Monday Night Raw, uh, a show full of call-ups and returns, uh, call-ups like Authors of Pain, No Way Jose, Ember Moon, and we had the returns of Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, and Bobby Lashley. So a lot of uh, twists and turns on Monday Night Raw. Uh, what did you think of the show? Um, you know, there was some good parts. We had, uh, not just to jump ahead here, but uh, speaking of Jeff Hardy, uh, not when he first came back out, but later in the show when uh, they were just doing some backstage antics and Jeff come across Matt, in that come across Bray as well. And uh, the Bray Wyatt-Jeff Hardy interaction, as well as the Matt, Matt Hardy-Jeff interaction, was, was quite good. I, th I thought the same thing, and it actually had me laughing, um, you know, because you're kind of waiting for Matt Hardy to, to recognize him as Brother Nero, and it's actually Bray Wyatt who's the one to do it. Uh, but it, it kind of felt like a strange little family reunion here, so I'm, I'm definitely hoping to see more interactions from these guys in the future. I'm pretty sure we will. Um, I think the, the tag team between uh, Matt and Bray, I think it's going to work, and I think it's really going to connect. Because the thing is, with these guys in particular, Matt and Bray both, you can tell, are so passionate and dedicated to their characters. And I think when you put two two guys like that together, you're really bound to make some magic happen. Definitely. I think with Matt, you have uh, a veteran that is still hungry in a lot of ways. You know, he's there. He's really enjoying what he's doing. He's passionate about what he's doing now. And then you have uh, Bray, who is, in my opinion, super hungry still. He's kind of tasted that top in some in some manner. He just hasn't achieved it yet. So I think we will see him take the spotlight in all this. Uh, eventually, this team will implode. We we kind of all know that. It'll be interesting where they go with Jeff Hardy, Brother Nero, and all of this, uh, and how that'll come about. At least they're using Bray Wyatt. Which is more than we've really gotten. I mean, the, the whole Matt and Bray feud, I mean, I think it was just from a creative standpoint, it kind of lacked. I think it could have been a lot better. I mean, for, for like a month, I mean, we just had these guys on the screen laughing at each other, which came across really kind of just stupid, you know, to be honest. So I think they're going to work better. Um, and I think creative will have a better handle on these guys as a unit uh, versus what we saw in their feud. Because the feud wasn't really... I mean, it got it got just really stupid. It it did. They seemed to, I mean, really just drop the ball with this, focusing on everything else for the WrestleMania build. And even though they got a little bit of airtime, it felt just so. Uh, like I said, there was, there was a couple episodes where they just laughed at one another, and it's like I, I understand as a a wrestler with her given what what creative has. They have to make the most of it, but at the same time, it's like you're taking away Bray Wyatt's number one thing that sets him apart, and that's his voice. That's you know what his character has to say, and you put him on stage and just have him laugh for five minutes, he's not going to get over. 
I mean, as someone who's articulate, well-spoken, engaging, and almost channels, you know, more of the Jake the Snake type promo delivery, um, the whole laughing thing was just really cheap, and I don't think it exhibited Bray's strengths as a performer at all. Um, so it's nice to see that he's doing something different now with Matt. Um, I have high hopes for the tag team. Uh, I, I kind of expect them to win the tag team titles unless uh, somehow the Authors of Pain get uh, interjected to the tag title scene, uh, which might be a possibility. Uh, what do you think about the Authors of Pain? Um, you know, I, I thought it was about time they brought them up. I think we've been expecting this for a while. They've just been in limbo for, for like the last six months. Um, I thought it was interesting that they would have Ellering come out and then all of us have been wondering, you know, what are they going to do with Ellering? Are they going to bring Ellering up with them? Is he willing to do the travel schedule? So having Ellering come out, I think we all kind of thought, oh, you know, awesome. Ellering is with them. Then at the end of the match, they kick Ellering out. They say, no, we're basically done with you. There was a backstage segment on uh, WWE.com exclusive, which I kind of feel like they should have included in the show. It would have made a, a little more sense with them uh, telling Ellering his uh, chapter and the authors of pain was done. You know, I'm, I'm curious. I think these guys may be okay on their own, but Ellering definitely added something in that managerial element. And I think that's uh, definitely how I feel too, because you know, the authors of pain are physically impressive, but having that mouthpiece really adds another dimension to their character. I think it's similar for, you know, Andrade Cien Almas when uh, Zelina Vega joined him. Uh, managers really add a certain dimension to characters, and I think it's something we don't see enough of um, to, to help these guys get over, you know. Sometimes these guys can do the physical role really well. Uh, sometimes they're great at wrestling. Sometimes they're a little bit underwhelming as far as uh, their microphone performance. Um, so I think in this case, you know, Paul Ellering will be missed. I thought he did a great job uh, in NXT. It was really nice seeing him again. I think I would uh, go ahead and possibly add Paul Heyman to the mix now. I mean, if, if Ellering's not willing to make the travel sacrifices and, and all those things, I, Heyman probably would, and I think he would really do a great job handling these guys. Yeah, I mean, Paul Heyman will be a, an amazing addition to these guys. Um, it's It'll be interesting to see. I mean, we, uh, we now know that Brock Lesnar has signed a, a new deal. Uh, many are calling it just an extension of his old deal. So we know at least they'll be around for two, maybe three uh, more appearances. So that would free Heyman up. If, if he wants to take on a tag team, I think uh, that would be a good addition. They could definitely use his uh, voice. Um, I think that they're, they may be uh, missing an opportunity here to also get over maybe somebody from 205. Hmm. Uh, there are a lot of guys there who, who can talk. Uh, we don't see them on TV at all. You know, they're on the network. And uh, it, it may be something that helps get them over. And, I mean, really, these are guys that can take bumps, and that's kind of what you want out of a manager. That's what made Heenan so popular. You know, he used to be a wrestler. He'd become a manager. He could run his mouth, but at the end of, end of the match, he could take a bump from the other wrestlers that, that really got the crowd you know, into it. That's definitely a big part of it, and I think even 
we've seen uh, Ellsworth and Carmella. I mean, he was there, you know, to take a bump if necessary. Um, and I think these dynamics in wrestling work really well, and they're exploited very little. Um, so I would, I would just generally like to see more of a managerial presence for some of these guys. Um, and I think the authors of Pain are a prime candidate to have the, the benefit of a manager. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they work them into the Raw roster. I'm glad they got called up. Uh, I really like them in NXT. I'm excited to see what they'll do on the main roster. But I'm hoping it doesn't become a situation like the Ascension. Yes. I think with the uh, the Ascension, once they got called up to the main roster, and Victor was much smaller than some of the other competitors. And it, it just did not have the same Road Warriors type feel to it when it was in the NXT. So do you think the Authors of Pain kind of have a better shot at making it on the main roster than the Ascension did? I think they do, just because these are two big, bad guys. Not to mention they're, uh, they kind of got over their their backgrounds in uh, uh, MMA and whatnot. I think it may get over. I think the, the only thing that really is a doubter for them is their finishing move. What kind of move would you, would you supplement instead? I mean, is there something you have in mind that you think would work better for them or... You know the super collider is a is a really great looking move. The uh, last chapter is kind of anticlimactic, so I would either make the super collider their finisher or or just figure out some different um, finishing move that would be better. But the last chapter, I think it it works fine as a, a signature move for them, but not maybe for a finisher. That makes sense. Well, you know, either way, you know, I, I think I tend to be very cynical. Um, I'm keeping my hopes low. I like these guys a lot, but we've seen, you know, sometimes when these guys get moved up, it doesn't end up, it doesn't translate onto the main roster like it translated in NXT. And I think we've seen that multiple times uh, in the past few years. Um, regardless, I'm happy for them. I, I hope they make the most of this um, opportunity. So I, I guess we'll see what happens there. But, you know, I'm trying to keep my expectations low just because um, we've seen monsters particularly the Ascension, who I do consider to be, you know, one of the more intimidating style tag teams, despite Victor's size. We've seen a monster tag team before just kind of fall to the wayside. Whether or not they become a comedy act, they, they or whether they just don't get TV time hardly at all. So hopefully, like you said, it's a different situation. Hopefully maybe their MMA background will give them a, a different kind of flavor. But I guess, you know, the only thing, you know, is time will tell yeah i mean uh take a look at the bludgeon brothers uh, harper and wyatt how long it's taken them just to get a tag title run that's true that that was long overdue for those guys been one of my favorite tags for a while now especially harper i mean the guy slimmed down and he's so mobile in the ring for his size that it's just yeah i've i've always been a big fan of harper and, and rowan has his own set of skills he brings to the table really really yeah. glad those guys got a shot you got anything you want to say about No Way Jose or Ember Moon? I think those would be good additions to the roster as well. Well, it was uh, it was a surprise, I think, with No Way. I've expected him to come up for a long time now, especially since he, too, was lost in limbo in NXT. We hadn't seen him for forever, and it, it seemed like he was just sitting at home waiting. Uh, we saw him at the WrestleMania in the crowd uh as a security guy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I think good for him that they called him up. They really did this Adam Rose sort of thing with him coming out, which has me concerned already. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know what they'll do with the way. 
you know, this this might not be a popular opinion, and and I don't even like saying it because I I like Jose. He's really old school, kind of brings that fun feeling. I I don't see it going very far, and I really do hate saying that. Um, like you said, they're kind of doing the whole Adam Rose thing. He just feels like a replacement in a way. Um, I mean, he'll he'll bring something different to every match he's in, but I'm not sure if he's really going to, you know, get a good shot. Yeah, at, you know. He'll break out. Right. Uh, he turned him heel and aligned him with the clothes, or if they bring up uh, Cien Olmos and align those two. I mean, they have uh, a large Latin American variety, if you will. Uh, if they, they talk to bring back Del Rio, they could easily, like we, we talked about before, establish a stable with this group. You could have Del Rio, Jose, uh, Primo Epico, Cien Almos. You know, uh, there's enough guys there that they could make a small stable out of. They could make a tag team. They could make a trio. They could do something to to group these guys, get them over, and kind of let them do what the New Day did. Uh, when the New Day started, none of those guys had any feet under them. If anything, Big E, Kofi Kingston were kind of on their way out. So who knows uh, if, if creative can get on the ball and these guys kind of go to work for themselves a little bit. Uh, maybe we'll see more out of them. I think that's a great point. Uh, thinking back to a little bit before the origin of the New Day, I mean, Big E was kind of coming off of what I would consider a lackluster uh, intercontinental title run. Uh, uh-huh. I couldn't even tell you what uh, Kofi was doing at this point. I mean, that's he he's been such a a fluctuating member of the roster, like here and there, and you know he had the big feud with Randy Orton, uh, kind of as a heel. Uh, he had destroyed or- Orton's car and all of that, and I, I thought that would be his big breakout moment, and that kind of fell flat. And so, I mean, just kind of sticking those guys together did wonders for them. Now they're probably making more money than they ever have before, just off of merchandise sales. Um, so, you know, anything can happen. And if WWE really wants to exploit that Latin American presence on their roster, um, they've got the talent to do it, but we just see that this talent is just being wasted at this point. Yeah, it it really is. We haven't seen the clones in, I don't know how many months on, uh, any of the product. As far as I I know, I, I haven't seen them on, uh, superstars or, uh, whatever the other show they have there is, um, so, I mean, they're just out there, I'm assuming, doing house shows and dark matches. So, I mean, the the talent is there, and it's just a matter of using it. And I think this is where WWE and WWE Creative uh, really drops the ball. If we look at New Japan, they their booking style, they pretty much use everybody uh, as long as they're ready to go. You know, if somebody's not available for a tour, then they'll book booked off the tour. But New Japan pretty much uses everybody that they could ha- that they have. I think WWE can learn a little bit from that. You're contracting these guys out to wrestle for you. You're paying them. Why wouldn't you use them? That, that's something I really don't understand. Um, I know you and I had talked about it recently about, you know, in the Attitude Era, uh, everybody had a role. Everybody was involved in something. 
um, whether you were, you know, Kai and Ty or whether you were The Rock or Austin, uh, even the oddities, you know, Kurgan and, and those guys, everybody had something that they brought to the table. Nobody really sat at home collecting a check for doing nothing. But now you got- a, I was just saying everybody had a storyline back then as well. Right. And every match counted. You know, if if Val Venus beating Kai and Ty mattered, you know, that mattered for his next step. Whether it was him going for the European title or, or whatever, every match counted. And today it doesn't. Even if we look at our main events, you know, does it does it matter who is our top five guys when Roman Reigns is going to get another title shot? Oh, I'll, I think I'll, I'm willing to take it a step further and say most of the time does it even matter if you're a champion? I, I, that sounds horrible. But it's in my in my mind it's a fact. You know what 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 does it matter anymore? What prestige does these titles have, and why should I care that? Um, what difference does it make? What are the implications? Their titles. It's it's very interesting right now. I mean, the Intercontinental Title went from uh, being on the back burner and not really meeting much, and then you had the Miz and Dean Ambrose, and a lot of meaningful feuds happened over the Intercontinental title. And a lot of these guys really took a step back. Uh, I think you could say that the Miz took a step back since he was world champion at one point. But they kind of downplayed the Miz, cooled him off a little bit. Um, Even with Dean Ambrose had the Intercontinental title, he said it like, hey, this is the belt that means everything here. Why? Because Brock Lesnar took the Universal title and he went home. And they were they booked themselves into a quarter where their main title is not defended. It's not seen on TV. And it's it's ridiculous in a lot of ways why you would have a champion who, one, doesn't need the belt to get over. And two, you're not displaying the title to be seen. And I get the whole idea that Brock Lesnar is a special event type of guy, like uh, Andre the Giant was a special event type of guy, like they kind of wanted to do with Big Show. But at the end of the day, does Brock Lesnar need the title? The title meant more when uh, Kevin Owens had it, when Finn Balor had it, when anybody else had it. The title meant more because it was seen and defended and shown as prestigious. And I think that's where a lot of fans are, are really upset now because they, they don't have a champion that defends the belt. And that has been a long-standing tradition at WWE. The title is defended every 30 days. Brock has gone way over that. On the other hand, fans are also sick of, of seeing Roman Reigns go for the title. This, this inorganic... Roman Reigns push where uh, they've gone over guys that the fans feel are far more deserving. So, I mean, they've, they've booked themselves between a rock and the hard place, really. It'll be interesting to see what happens um, at the uh, greatest Royal Rumble event, uh, whether or not Roman Reigns will uh, defeat Brock Lesnar. I'm assuming he will. I'm assuming that's the plan. That's what we all thought the plan was for WrestleMania. I think having a fighting champion will be better than what we have now. But at the same time, like you said, uh, people are sick of it. Uh, There's a lot of ways they could go with this, but they just absolutely friggin' uh, insist on it being Roman Reigns. When we have the most stacked roster 
we've had in maybe forever, right? But you know that the that situation is analogous to a blind man owning paintings from Max Lieberman and Van Gogh. What's the difference? You have all these beautiful paintings. You have no idea. You, you can't look at them. So that's kind of how I feel about that. You're getting me started. We're only 20 minutes into this thing. We'll, we'll step back a little bit because, you know, for me it's frustrating. And, and let's go ahead and talk about uh, Roman's promo from Monday. You know, the issue I had with that, Roman comes out and basically says that there's some kind of conspiracy going against him, and that's why he's going to face Lesnar for the title at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, but what kind of sense does that make? You know, as as a babyface, shouldn't he be grateful and excited for another opportunity, even though he doesn't deserve it? Uh, he just seemed like paranoid and ungrateful, and it's not like he was deserving of a rematch to begin with, at least creatively. Right. I mean, you have a guy who has choked every chance he's gotten to, to face the champion. Uh, I mean, whether you're a fan of Roman Reigns or not, I have nothing against uh, the guy personally. I don't have anything really against the character. I think Roman has uh, gotten better exponentially since he started. Each year he's improved tremendously. I don't think anybody would, uh, would really disagree with that. I'm not crazy about his move set. I think it it lends uh, it lends a head in not liking the character. Actually, when you see you know Superman punch or Superman punch, we we have him in a match with Brock Lesnar. He does like six or seven spears. It just becomes a little ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of like people. I I used to be big into the old SmackDown versus Raw games, and anytime I played one of those games. With my friends, they would try to take advantage and continue spamming the same move over and over and over. Like as soon as my character would get up, I would get clotheslined back down constantly. That's exactly what it's like watching a Roman match, and for me, it just pisses me off. In a Brock match anymore? Yeah, Brock does not put in the work now, and I mean, uh, a lot of people have shared on social media. Now we see all kinds of things that we probably wouldn't see before, but the. Uh, the Brock Lesnar Kane match that happened in I'm not sure where it was at. I want to say Madison Square Garden, but I'm probably wrong with that. But Brock, Brock Lesnar versus Kane, I believe the first one-on-one match that they've had lasted like 20 seconds, and Kane, I believe, really got in zero offense, and Brock hit a German in an five, and that was it. And uh, he he packed his bags and he went home and he made God knows how much money just off of two moves and a match with Kane, no less, at a house show where they could have put on a phenomenal uh, matchup, really giving the fans what they wanted to see instead. No, let's do two moves and call it a night. Isn't it becoming you know abundantly clear that it doesn't matter really what fans want to see? I mean, that's really yeah. how it feels. Well, I mean, we get that from the management WWE. It's sad when you get it from the wrestlers. And if if I was Cade, I would have. I think I would have taken that as kind of a slap in the face. You know, I mean, these are guys that this is their career. A lot of them, you know, I know Cade's getting older and whatnot, but a lot of these guys really want to go out there and put on a show for the fans. They they're doing this because they love it. You would not see AJ Styles take a match like that. You wouldn't see Daniel Bryan go out and do a match like that. And I think, you know, since we're talking about Daniel Bryan, I just want to point out the irony that Roman Reigns did not get over like Vince wanted 
because the fans were in support of Daniel Bryan. And now it's been all this time, Daniel's been out, and now he's back, and Roman Reigns is still not over wow. with the fans despite the push that they've given him. That's an excellent point because, yeah, for a while there we were thinking um, it felt like you know there wasn't enough room for both Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns as active superstars. And then, you know, obviously Daniel retires temporarily, and during that entire span, Roman has still failed to get over. That's a really great point. And I can't put the blame on Roman, per se. No. Yeah, no. his promos are a little wonky, but that doesn't always mean you don't get over. Uh, it's just the fact that he gets this mega push that is not organic, that the fans, uh, it, it's really soured the fans. And WWE just, they don't care, they keep pushing him in you can't just keep pushing something sour on the fans and them not get over. I know he's over with some fan base. They lend it to the mix base of John Cena, which even that I, you know, I have <clears throat> I have strong views on this, fan, you know, this uh, face heel aspects of wrestling. WWE tries to blur that. We hear Corey Graves last. Uh, oh Jesus! himself saying that you know the fans will. Boo one guy, even though they cheered him the night before. <laughs> they can they they can do what they want and have a voice and they can be freedom for that. That is all bullshit. It it really is. If if you're a wrestling promoter and your face is getting booed and your heel is getting cheered, you have problems. Wasn't that the stupidest thing you've ever heard? I mean, it it, they they did it on Monday night and then they did it again Tuesday night verbatim. Um, even, you know, the coach and, and Byron Saxton both had their respective lines <laughs> with Corey Graves kind of leading the charge on it. What the most absolutely ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard on wrestling ever in any promotion. I mean, it has to be up. I mean, you're, you're, that, that's stupid. That faces and heels don't exist, which is goddamn. This is the point of the show. You have faces, you have heels. And this is a just just goes to an element of storytelling. You have a protagonist and you have an antagonist. You have a good guy and a bad guy. And if you're telling me there's a story with where nobody's a good guy, nobody's a bad guy, and they just do things and there's no real reason why, you're not going to sell that story. People aren't going to want to read it, and that's kind of what's going on with WWE. The fans just know that this guy's really good. They like this guy, despite he's a good guy or bad guy. And they want to see him wrestle. And there's nothing wrong with that. I liked Ted DiBiase growing up. But he was a bad guy. And despite how good he was in the ring, I didn't really want him to win against, say, Jake the Snake Roberts. You want the face to win. And and when you're doing that, you're, you're really setting yourself up for failure. They had Roman Reigns cut his promo, kind of to go back to, to what we were talking about. Roman Reigns come out and he cuts this really strange promo uh which it almost uh, he's got this egg on, on one side of his face and he's got this almost this baseball size knot on the other side of his face he looked like hellboy <laughs> looked like he an easter the, basket yeah he had a he had an easter basket on his head <laughs> for one let me just say brock lesnar totally in the wrong taking liberties like that with roman in the ring Apparently, when he had him down, just punching him, that wasn't 
scripted. Roman didn't know what was going on. Brock busted him open. Um, I don't know what happened with that. You know, what pissed him off? Who knows? He's roided out the ass, so who who knows what, what happened with, with Lesnar? Um, but you had Roman in the ring, and he's all just messed up, really. He had, like, 12 sutures and 10 stitches. Uh, he's in the ring, and it almost sounded like he wanted to cry. He was out there... Basically, just this conspiracy thing to sell. And then at the end of it, he just kind of throws in that, you know, if they keep booking him against Brock, he's going to walk out with the belt. I yeah. cannot buy it for one second that no. that's exactly what he thought. You, when he said that, do you know what I heard really translated? It was like, well, guys, I didn't do it this time, but if, if I keep getting the chance one day, I will. And it just felt really dumb, you know? It, it, it almost... If you take the emotions and not the words, it sounded like he did not want to get back in the ring with Brock. Yeah. I mean, despite what he said, and I'm, I'm sure he has a lot of emotions about it right now. I'm sure he's really pissed off that Lesnar took liberties with him. Uh, but you have his promo. He's getting booed. You have Joe return, and he's getting cheered. Yeah. You know, the crowd's like, Joe, Joe, Joe. At one point, it sounded like they were going to break out and Joe's going to kill you, uh, Chad. <laughs> My daughter was chanting it on the couch. That's awesome. So, <laughs> um, you have your heel being cheered. It just set up this weird dichotomy. You know, nobody likes Lesnar. Nobody likes Reigns. And everybody loves Joe. But he's supposed to be heel, you know? Right. So, and I... <laughs> I've, I have no idea. I have no idea what they're going to do here. Um, Let me just go on record to say that I, I said that once they had Lesnar win at Mania, he should drop to Samoa Joe the next night on Raw. Joe did show up, so I think they missed a huge opportunity there. The fans would have been pleased. You could have gotten Samoa Joe over as the biggest face to the company probably, and then they could have continued with Rage Joe or something like that. Well, they they may have done that, except I, I doubt Lesnar would want to have to work two days in a row. I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think they would have. I think they missed a great opportunity to do something like that. So now we got our biggest babyface getting booed. We have our biggest heel, arguably, on the way out, whose loss is impending. And the next heel you're trying to build up, the crowd loves. What yeah. are they, they going to do with it? Are they capable? And, I, you know, look, I know sometimes it comes across as, as I think I'm way more capable of doing this and, and all of that. Whether or not that's true, I don't know because there's no way to measure that. But what I do know is from from any perspective, if, if you have, like you said, an antagonist, a protagonist – there are certain things you should feel that clearly are not being felt. So what they're going to do with the situation, I don't know. Um, but it's – I think it could quite possibly write itself. I know that's a term you use sometimes. Um, your crowd's writing it for you. Your crowd's telling you this is – you know, It's easy to see. Your heel, Joe, is getting cheered. Your face, Roman, is getting booed. Um, it might be time to rethink who's actually the antagonist and the protagonist, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, 
I don't know what they're doing in the gorilla position. I mean, Vince sitting there hearing the audience night in and night out. What he could possibly be thinking, like we touched on before, obviously Reigns is going to pick up the belt in Saudi Arabia, mainly because the audience there will probably cheer for him. These guys cheer for beheadings, too. Political <laughs> <laughs> here. Yeah, you're, you're going into a market that um, I know they're going to make money probably out the ass with this market, but you're going into a market that um, isn't fond of women and it isn't the United States. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, the biggest, biggest Royal Rumble in history. Very interesting that they're going to have a, a Royal Rumble outside of the Royal Rumble. I'll leave that as it is, but they'll end up cheering Roman Reigns over Brock Lesnar, I feel. And that's why Vince made the last-minute decision in the match, in the WrestleMania match, your main event, you make a last-minute decision for Lesnar to keep the title, even though he's not obligated to sign another contract. And uh, it really makes you wonder, like, how much is Lesnar getting paid for this? Um, And the idea is all to get Roman Reigns over a little bit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're going to return from Saudi Arabia. They're going to go to Chicago. They're going to go to Madison Square Garden. They're going to go to Los Angeles. They're going to go to Lexington, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Ohio, and all these towns where Roman Reigns is going to get booed. So it still doesn't matter. It doesn't change a thing. It's 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 kind of like they're they're it's kind of like a bad business practice, like very inefficient. I mean, they're they're pumping a lot of money into this, and it's not it's not working. You know, they're not getting the the benefit for the bargain, uh, so to speak. And yeah, but they're going to keep doing it for, for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, it, it's just like when uh, Daniel Bryan was on his way out, and they're trying to use Bryan to get Roman over. And they did this promo, this backstage promo, and I guess the cameras were kept rolling, and you hear Daniel Bryan go, was that good enough? Did I did I get wow. him over? <laughs> I didn't catch that. I'll have to go back and look for really, that. I yeah. had no idea. You have to look that up on YouTube or wow. something. And, uh, the Is that good enough? Jesus. Was get Roman over. Wow. Like, he, he was giving props to Roman Reigns for this and that. And it's like... You just don't get it. They don't, you know, they are elements of storytelling they just don't get. And this fantasy to get Reigns over no matter what, that he knows better than the fans. It's, you know, it's a little uh, tongue-in-cheek because the fans are smarter today. Yep. So... I don't. I don't know where that's going to go. Um, that that entire event, the the Royal Rumble event coming up, uh, I think we could spend a whole show on that alone, just talking about that and figuring out. You know, this could perhaps be a turning point, creatively speaking. Um, we assume this will be Lesnar's last show. At least I assume. Um, I think it'll be his last show, probably until uh, SummerSlam, is what. A lot of people are looking at doing a Lesnar-Lashley match. Uh, So I'm not sure to what capacity that will go if we're looking at a relationship between WWE and UFC. 
Uh, I know Lesnar apparently is going to fight at least uh, once. Um, but I don't know if Dana White is looking at Bobby Lashley too. I mean, Lashley is a, uh, a MMA competitor. Sure. So they may be planning on doing something together with this. From from what I've seen, I, I think Lashley's he's he's pretty good in the octagon, isn't he? I mean he's 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 won yeah, most he's of his fights. Pretty good. Um, it doesn't look like UFC has gone after him before. I don't know if that's just a a negotiation issue or or what, but uh, it'll be interesting to note where uh, these two guys end up going from here. I think this might be a good time to, to talk about Bobby Lashley. And for one, I'm pissed off at the guy because he came out and ruined Elias's concert. And you, and you don't screw with <laughs> Elias like that. Uh, he's my guy. Uh, but but seriously, what did, what did you think of Lashley's return? Uh, gosh, you know, it's, it's difficult because Bobby Lashley was not – I mean, by, by all means, he wasn't uh, John Cena when he left. I know Vince was really high on Bobby Lashley. Probably his biggest match was uh, Umaga yeah. before he left WWE. Yep. He's done a lot in TNA. You know, they've strapped him with the world title in TNA a lot. Uh, but were those reigns meaningful in any way? It's kind of hard to say. I think it's it's difficult with Bobby Lashley. I mean, he's got the tools um, I don't know where he, his mind is as far as uh, putting together a good match, if he's really a ring general or not. I want to say no, but I just haven't seen enough of him uh, outside of TNA or WWE to really to to make that decision. I think it's, you know, if they put him in a small feud with Elias, I think Elias will make him look like gold. Um, I know you're really big on Elias. And I I've, I've been impressed with him so far. I don't know if that's the way you really want to go if you want to get Lashley over, though, because I could only see Elias getting over in that. <laughs> well, Elias is going to get over no matter what they give him. It's just whether or not they'll continue to allow him to get over, uh, because we all know what happens if you get too popular. You get canned, just like uh, Mizdow did, or Sandow. Uh, so hopefully he stays within the parameters he's given by the company uh, because I would hate to see uh, Elias be featured less on TV. I don't think that's going to happen. But as you know, as far as Lashley's concerned, um, it feels kind of – this one felt a little bit random to me, and I know the rumors were circulating for a while that he intended to go back. Um, really quick, just to digress, you had asked the question whether or not his TNA – title runs um, really meant anything and I can only speak on behalf of myself for someone who hasn't been plugged into Impact Wrestling for probably the past five years they mean absolutely nothing to me yeah. um, you know as far as I can tell the last time I really saw Lashley was when he was on Smackdown or, or when he was doing the angle with Umaga um, that's what I remember Lashley as and he was okay then, you know. I didn't mind him. Couldn't cut a promo to save his life, um, but you know, physically he was okay. So I don't know how he's going to fare in the um, field, as so to speak, with with all the talent around him. The the card uh, or the roster is so stacked right now. You really have to do a good job at differentiating yourself from the rest of the guys. You've got to bring something right. unique and different to the table. 
Will Lashley be able to do that? You know, I really don't know. He can't cut a promo to save his life. I mean, he's he's physically impressive. He's strong. He's agile. But that's about 80% of the roster today. Yeah, it really is. And to me, it's like I, I don't think they did Lashley any favors the way they brought him in. I think they could have... They could have done uh, Lashley Cena instead of Lashley. I mean, instead of Cena Undertaker at WrestleMania, it would have been a surprise. Yeah. I think might have gotten a, a better response from the crowd. You could give Lashley a little bit of rub that way and actually had a, a decent match in that spot. I think not to go back to WrestleMania. And I'll get a lot of heat from this, but that Undertaker Cena match was crap. Uh, <laughs> anybody that wants to say these are the two greatest guys in WrestleMania history. Fine, I'll give you that. What a way to tarnish your careers, though, as far as WrestleMania. Uh, so I think if if you're bringing in Bobby Lashley, you kind of got to do it in a manner that sets a tone for what you're going to do with him. If you're going to have him beat Lesnar, I think your best idea is to have him go straight after Lesnar. Uh, they should have had him at ringside for WrestleMania. And then you could have had a little Lesnar Lashley stare off or something in the match, just to play lead. Yeah. Um, and and then then you go from there, kind of make it look like it's not something that's really planned within WWE. You got to try to sell the disbelief, you know, that this is not something that's scripted all the time. And you know, bringing him into just on a on a Raw, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there's any good point to bring Lashley in. Like you said, you gotta you got to have something that stands out and is unique, and Bobby Lashley does not have anything that's unique. I mean, yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah. There are tons of big guys. Uh, he's ripped. So is Ciampa. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Is, I mean, if, other- if you take Lashley and you stick him in a room with full of you know common guys – yeah, he stands out. You put him next to other wrestlers, uh, especially on the WWE roster. He's not. He doesn't really stand out that much. I mean, you know, in, in two thousand six, two thousand seven, the roster was a lot different back then than what it is now. Yeah, I mean, you you put him in, in a room with Big E, and who's going to stand out more? Lashley's a little bit taller, I'm sure, but Big E has character and charisma now that Bobby Lashley will never have. Yep. And and if you put if you if you know if you took those guys and made them each give a promo, you know, just suppose that we were, you know, we we were just scouting talent and we took both of those guys, we'd match them up maybe similarly, you know, physically. We'd each give them a shot at a promo. Who's taking the who's taking the cake here? It's certainly yeah. not it's not going to be Lashley. Absolutely not. So, I mean, it's just uh it, it comes down to Vince seeing a big guy. They're wanting to get him away from TNA. And where will they use him? Where will they put him? Are they going to let him survive on his own merits? Or does Vince have a plan to start shoving him down people's throats? Maybe <laughs> on Roman Reigns. You know, I mean, apparently at the time when Roman got called up, Vince was super high on Big E. Um, not the Big E we know today. But the the serious muscle bound Big E um, when he first started and Big E was getting that kind of that main event rub. Whatever happened, Vince soured on him. Big E just started losing, and then they start he started pushing for Roman Reigns. 
And so it's just a matter of time, in my opinion. Roman's not going to get over like Vince wants. How long is it before he sours on him? Now he's got Bobby Lashley in there. It may be sooner than later. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. All, all I do know is that 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was, I liked Lashley. And I was a Lashley fan. WWE has signed so much talent the past few years. So many great talents that Lashley doesn't come across as very special anymore like he used to. Now with that said, the way he debuted, kind of alluding to what you said, Sam, the way he debuted was not as impactful as it needed to be. Um, because first of all, and, and not to be funny, you know, I'm not trying to be biased here either, but you know, people really get into Elias. <laughs> I think they, they want him to, you know, you know, you're going to sit back, silence your cell phones, and shut your mouths. I think the fans love that. He had them chanting, I'm a scumbag. You know, <laughs> people want to see him. Uh, so for Lashley yeah. to come out, yeah, the crowd was excited. But I think, you know, this is a much deeper issue. Um, the fact that it's really hard to come across a good heel these days. We, we could dive down that rabbit hole, but it would take hours. But that that's Lashley in a nutshell. We'll see what happens with him. And that's really all the high highlights for Raw that I think is worth talking about. If you guys want, if you guys are listening and you want to know what happened, this isn't the show for you. I'm not going to sit here and go through everything line yeah, by I line. I don't have time for that. You guys probably don't want to hear it. Go to, go to Wrestling Inc. It's a great website. They got all the results you need. But I'm what not going to sit here and do that. Mid Card Mana. Sam and the Loose Cannon do a great job at, at breaking the shows down. Um, I'm a subscriber. Definitely check them out on YouTube. Um, but but this is more of a show where we come on and we rant, where we point out things we like. Um, I will never sit here and go through a show line by line. I, it's just not my thing. Um, I think it's boring. I, I can't do it. Now, Sam and the Loose Cannon, check them out. They keep it fun and exciting. All right. Uh, let's move on to SmackDown. I think uh, there was a few points we should hit on this. Uh, Heel Shinsuke continues. Uh, and his atrocious uh, promo. Well, the the promo itself wasn't atrocious, but uh, I think the way it was scripted was was horrible and anti-productive. Paige is general manager. Eh, good for her. We'll see what happens. It's not like they have any authority anyway. Who cares? Um, Carmella is the biggest story coming out of SmackDown, in my opinion. Um, the problem I had with this is that there was so much time building Asuka's streak and having it end at WrestleMania with a clean finish, right? By having Charlotte making Asuka tap out, Asuka gave up. You know, from there, Charlotte comes out on SmackDown. She's beat down by the iconic duo. I'm not very familiar with them. They weren't that impressive. Hate me if you want. I really don't care. Uh, Carmella comes out, does her money in the bank thing after Mike Kyoto acts like he's never seen a briefcase before. Um... Carmella goes, she takes the title, she runs around the screams for two minutes, and that's that. Does this put a further damper on Asuka? Oh, man. Well, you're going to get me started on this one. So, um, absolutely, in my opinion, it does. You have, um, I'm just going to start from, from the Charlotte Asuka WrestleMania match. You know, they had a nice little match. The ending, the finish, I thought was awful. You have uh, Asuka tap out. She doesn't even get pinned, she taps out. And what does that do to Asuka at this point? Well, Asuka, the first women's battle Royal, Royal Rumble winner, um, she's been undefeated. I think they said like 900-some days. 
it looks like she's going to go to WrestleMania and win the title. Now, the biggest problem with that is she's undefeated. WWE does not like undefeated streaks, believe it or not. It leads them in a point where too much is hanging over Asuka's head. They end up having Charlotte win. The problem is it does nothing for Charlotte. Charlotte, who is, uh, for all purposes, the John Cena of the women's division. What did she gain from this match? Absolutely nothing. So why would not you have? Why wouldn't you have Oscar win at WrestleMania? Carmella cash in after a brutal matchup, and then pin Oscar for the title. That way, the streak, even though it's broken, isn't wasted in a sense. It it's mind boggling to me. And, you know, I, I think some fans will, will listen to this podcast and, and they'll be like, well, what what's the difference in that? Now, I can see the difference, but, you know, Sam, you're, you're a great writer and you have a great mind for storytelling. Uh, can you kind of dive into that a little bit more and explain what, what's the difference in, in doing it this way versus how they actually did it? Okay, well, for one with Asuka, uh, who you have uh, really into this at this point, she's the probably the biggest protagonist of the story. Charlotte, while not necessarily a bad guy, would be the antagonist. She's the champion. She's the obstacle. The way they did it is they're telling a story of having Charlotte as the protagonist, which was not the story up to this point. So they just swapped the finish. It'd be like, be like you're, you're watching a, a movie about Freddy Krueger where he's the bad guy. And at the end of it, he kills everybody, and then they go, oh, but he was the good guy. It doesn't make sense. So by having Carmella cash in on Asuka, you get rid of the streak that you don't want to hang over her head, but it's a cheap victory. So Carmella wins. She ends the streak. She gets the title. So she's kind of notorious in this setup where, yes, yeah, she's champion, she's into the streak, but she cheated to do it. It's a dirty win. Whereby Asuka, she's been cheated out of it. It wasn't a clean fall that took the, the streak away or the title away. And so you set up Asuka for another story. She doesn't go back and say, um, you know, she doesn't, at the end of the match, she doesn't say, like, you know, it was ready for Asuka. Nobody's still ready for Oscar. It took Charlotte and Carmella to defeat Oscar. It took a briefcase to defeat Oscar. Took a cheap tactic to defeat Oscar. In some ways, it's it's like the Razor Ramon uh, cattle prod that defeated Goldberg. Nobody was happy with that, but nobody could have defeated Goldberg at the time. So they they found a cheap way to get out of it. And this would be a, you know, a cheap way to get out of it without having hurt Oscar in the long run. Now she goes back to Raw, and she has nothing. Now she's Becky Lynch. Now she's Bailey. She's just another wrestler that was hot at one point, and and now she's uh, back in the running. She's just going to be looking for a storyline now. And if they don't, what what happens to her now? If she doesn't win every match, how is she going to look? You know, if she goes back and she challenges Nia, uh, she gets defeated. 
how is she going to look? Well, she can. She's undefeated up until the point where she she gets a championship shot and then she chokes. Uh, you know, I mean, they have diluted Oscar for the crowd. They've taken away everything that made her unique. A lot of people will disagree, but I would say look at Becky Lynch. Look at Bailey. Where are they now? Because uh, Becky was the first SmackDown Women's Champion, wasn't she? She's had a pretty big fall from grace. Yeah, quite a big fall. I'm running a poll right now on my Twitter account, uh, and I was just looking at it. I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, I was asking the people, would you send Charlotte to Raw for the Superstar Shakedown? And the two choices are, yes, it's time for new angles, or no, she needs her revenge. And only 20% say she needs her revenge. 80% say, yes, it's time for new angles. What do you think? Ooh, you know, this this angle with Carmella cashing in has been going on for a long, long time. I believe they said it was the longest cash in in history. Um, I think you, you could have her get revenge to a degree on Raw and SmackDown next week and move Charlotte along. Do we want to see a feud out of this? I don't know. I don't know how good that feud would be. Um, do, you, do you think a feud would bring any redemption to Charlotte or Asuka, in a sense? Or, or do you think that's too up. remote? I, I don't think it'll bring anything to Asuka. I think at this point, if they if they had Asuka versus Carmella uh, and Asuka wins the belt, then it's a slap in the face. If... Uh, if they have Charlotte versus Carmella, you know, sh- I-, I don't think they should strap Charlotte again uh, after she just lost the belt. Uh, I think it would be pointless in some ways. If it was if it was me, I would probably try to um, group Carmella and the iconic duo together. Hmm. Kind of play off of that idea of uh, the three-person team like we have had that hasn't been extremely done well. Uh, we've had the Riot Squad, and we have had Absolution. And, uh, you know, I think the Iconic Duel and Carmella may be able to work better than those two groups have. Charlotte? Ah, you know, I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to do. I mean, the women's division doesn't get a lot of attention as far as storyline-wise. They're just kind of thrown out there, and they have a couple backstage vignettes, and that's supposed to get us over into these feuds. Uh, I think Charlotte at this stage, you know, you could have her in a rematch, but ultimately her story is with the iconic duo now. So I think she'll they'll have her seek revenge against them before anything. Uh, so I think a Carmella match, they have a return match. I think we'll see Carmella keep the belt. And we may see Charlotte move to uh, the opposite show of whatever Carmella's at. Because the... Uh... You know the rumors circulating right now about Charlotte and Ronda Rousey main eventing WrestleMania next year. Um, so I think a lot of people might be anticipating Charlotte moving to Raw. Um, I definitely don't think they'll put Rousey on SmackDown. Uh, they've always favored Raw. That's where the biggest stars go, as so to speak. I think Rousey will stay on Raw. But I can see Char- Charlotte moving there as well. So it'll, it'll yeah, be I mean, interesting to see. We may end up, we may end up seeing... Uh... Ronda win the Women's Rumble uh, 2018 and challenging Charlotte. I, I will say this, and, and this show's not about Ronda, but I, I do want to say this because she was pretty impressive on Sunday. Right now, I don't resent her. I don't resent her the push she's getting. 
Um, I want to like her. I want to cheer for her. I want her to get better, and I want to see more from her. I really do, because of one thing, she's so genuine. When she walks out there, you can tell she's genuinely happy to be there. That's that to me. That's special, and I think they can capitalize on that. Whether they do or not, we will see. I'm assuming they will. The what they need to be careful to avoid here is going too hard with Rhonda. We don't want this to be a, a you know a situation where fans start to resent her. So we we need to try to keep a sense of like you know if she gets beat down by Charlotte or something, we need to make sure she's still getting sympathy from the crowd. Um, I think they've got something special here. I really do. Um, it might be too early to tell. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against Charlotte and Rousey main eventing next year's WrestleMania if Rousey is capable by that point. That's a big task. That you know, guys wait 10, 15 years to get a shot like that. Do you think? Do you think even if Rousey improves, do you think just out of a, a a moral viewpoint, Sam, that that maybe they should wait to do that? Uh, you know, it's it's very hard to say. I don't like to see them booking Mania that far into the future, especially with somebody so green. So, I mean, as far as Rhonda, I'm sure she'll catch on really fast. Uh, I think her her repertoire of moves uh, is something that they're going to have to work on. She had a really good rolling clothesline. The spitting Samoan drop that she she's kind of looks like maybe her finisher. Yeah, uh, I'm not sold on 100%. It looks a little wonky um the arm bar looks good uh apparently they told oscar she couldn't use an arm bar because yeah. ronda's arm bars now yeah it's ridiculous um by all means it looks like they're going to put their money you know all their eggs in one basket all their money on ronda here that means that if they're going to build her toward wrestlemania next year she's going to be really hot shotted and i think and I'm afraid we're going to see that mega push like we've had for Reigns. It's not completely unorganic. I think the crowd likes Ronda. Like you said, she's genuine in her response. Um, it's just a matter of how well she gets over and how well she improves. One thing she does have going for at this stage, on Monday Night Raw at least, is the McMahon versus push. You know, it worked great for Stone Cold, yeah. but he was already over with the crowd, and he was a veteran. So what's it going to do for Ronda? That's hard to say. Well, I, I hope, like I said, I you know, I hope for good things. Um, what, one more note on this I want to get your opinion on, and then we can uh, start talking about Shinsuke. Um, as... You know, obviously, she's, she's a, a cross-competitor. She's coming in from UFC... Um, do you think that it kind of, do you think it's disrespectful in any way that it takes someone from the UFC, a female from the UFC to come in to get the women into the main event of WrestleMania? Do you think any of the talent has a right to be pissed off about that or? Uh, you know, I would, I would say that they do have a right to be pissed off about it in some ways. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like, do you give MMA more credit than any other sport? And I think that's a that's a, a, an excellent question because if so, then 
why isn't a similar sport given that opportunity? Right. Why was it put right in the main event? I'm just, you know, yeah. I'm just having a really hard time wrapping my head around why, and it's nothing against Rousey, um, why we are relying so heavily on MMA stars at this point. You know, why are we having a hard time building legitimate professional wrestlers at this point? Right. You know, if, if our biggest male star and longest reigning champion is Brock Lesnar, which he's, which I know he started in WWE and all that. He really reinvented himself in the UFC and he carried that persona back into the WWE. I kind of consider Brock a UFC guy. He's not the Brock Lesnar we saw in 2002. He's really not. He really isn't. If we consider that WWE is relying on these MMA stars, what? I mean, at what point do we we look at this and say, hey, we really need to do a better job at building professional wrestlers that. You know, don't necessarily have an MMA background, that are organic, that are homegrown, that get their name not in the octagon, but get their ring in the square circle. I think one issue with that is we're looking at celebrity status. Ronda Rousey already has a name value, and so WWE is going to exploit that name value. Yeah, and I definitely think you bring up some great points there. Uh, definitely worth considering uh, the name value that Ronda Rousey brings to the table. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, but let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about something that stood out to me. As far as WWE creative is concerned on the SmackDown side of things, you know, screw Rusev Day. We need to involve Randy Orton in the U.S. title scene because everybody wants to relive the rivalry between him and Jinder Mahal. Am I correct? Oh, man. I mean, you could have uh, went with Rude versus Jinder continue that feud, which I don't think is finished yet, in all honesty. Uh, they could have gone that route. Rude is mega, you know, he's mega over as well. Or you could have gone with Rusev, which seems like the more natural feud for gender. Um, they could have easily panned off of that with, with gender again, trying to get on the same page as Rusev and being denied. I thought that was a nice touch in their their uh, WrestleMania match. Instead, no, we got we got Randy Orton. Uh, what does Orton gain from this? Absolutely nothing, honestly. Uh, what does Gender gain from it? He's already defeated Orton for the world title. He had numerous matches with him. Always come out on top. I don't really see Gender getting a rub from this match at all. The fan favorite out of all four of these guys is Rusev. Bobby Roode, super over. Rusev, way over. To me, the obvious choice would have been Rusev. I'm guessing Orton gets the shot at gender at the uh, Saudi Arabia Royal Rumble. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the the creative idea behind this. I'm not either because, you know, it really seemed the way the WrestleMania match concluded really seemed that we were going to, it, it was the perfect opportunity at least to, to have Rusev chase uh, for the U S title against gender, uh, considering the Singh brother got up there and kind of aided in, in the distraction and got involved. And, you know, so I, I don't know why interjecting Orton back into the situation. Um, I don't think anybody wants to see it. Um, I think they are, 
somehow screwing up Rusev. Can you believe that? I mean, just you know, sit down and, and imagine having the most over guy on your show. And, and let me say this. I firmly believe, this might sound crazy, that Rusev is at least in the top two or three of the most over guys on SmackDown. It may probably number two under AJ Styles. Um, when Paige got out there last night for SmackDown and she was like, um, we, we're going to have uh, Daniel Bryan compete live tonight. People started chanting Rusev Day. They didn't start chanting AJ. They didn't. That's just a fact, you know. They were wanting yeah. Rusev, and uh, which interesting aspect to it, you know. Uh, I would disagree with you. I would say Daniel Bryan's the most over, then Rusev, then AJ. Well, I, I forgot about him. I'll be honest. Be, only because I'm still getting used to him being an active guy. Cut me some slack, Jesus. <laughs> So, I mean, in that regard, it's like what is going on behind the scenes that they're not going to push Rusev? Um, I know he has been kind of on the shit list before for various reasons, uh, but you've put money into this guy. This is what was mind-boggling to me, and it's it's almost like a, a Walmart syndrome, if you will. You put money into somebody, why wouldn't you want to see them do well and and you get your investment out of that. Instead, they have a high turnover rate, like Walmart. Walmart will hire, hire someone, train them, put them to work, and then try to get them fired or make life as hard as they can for them. And WWE tries to do that with some of their, their workers, it seems. You have Rusev. He's gotten himself over. So many guys go out there and they say, well, it's not WWE's fault. It's not Vince's fault. You have a platform. And you have to use that platform to get yourself over. Rusev has done it. Rusev has used this platform to get himself over despite bad booking, despite WWE not giving him the ball. Rusev has gotten himself over. And in all honesty, he's kind of gotten Aiden English over as well. And he's making money. I mean, they have Rusev Day shirts. At least somebody was smart enough to capitalize on that. Instead, WWE just continuously keeps having him lose. He was They know what's going on, too, because they wouldn't have thrown him into the, the, the U.S. title picture otherwise. The feud was already set, which would be a triple threat. Why throw Rusev in there unless you know the fan support? Why tease him winning unless you know there's the fan support? So it, this boils down to plans. They have plans for Orton. They have ideas where they want to go. And they're afraid to use Rusev because it'll alter their plans. To me, that's that's part of promoting. That's part of the booking strategies. Like They talk about booking on the spot, but then they have year-long WrestleMania plans to get Roman Reigns to strap when he's not over. This is sort of the same thing. It's, why have these year-long plans unless you're you're able to book on the spot. And this is this is one of those things. You see Rusev's over, you want to get Jinder over as a heel. Obviously putting these two together would be the best way to go. I don't know what Randy Orton has to offer Jinder that he hasn't already not delivered on uh, in their their world title feud. Um, so I, I don't get it. You 
it, it would be equivalent to uh, not using dusty roads. But WWE really did not use dusty roads when they had him either. So I think it's a situation where, you know, for for whatever reason, yeah. You know, first of all, I don't know if this is uh, a BG James call or Road Dog, whatever, or if this is a Vince call, which I I don't think this would be a Vince call. I mean, but uh, regardless, I mean. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a directive from the executive office to be like, hey, you know, we, we don't need him getting this over right now. So just, you know, yeah, try to pull ball. back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the situation is. And first of all, I don't I don't understand that logic. Wouldn't wouldn't their jobs be a lot easier if they just listened to the crowds? I mean, are we that far removed from reality? Are we that deep in the pockets of, of of these you know shareholders and, and and things like that that we have lost such basic fundamental decision making. I'm not sure. I mean, uh, you, you would think that. I always say you would think that this would write itself. You know, Rusev is over, and so uh, <laughs> here comes the rain. You would you would think Rusev is over, so. You would think creative would just roll with it, and uh, you would just you would use gender. You would use as over as Rusev is to make gender that much more hated. You know, you strap Rusev. You do like the uh, pro America thing that they love to do, and you have gender the anti American, and it to me it seems like a, a storyline that would write itself out. I don't know where they would go with Orton. Do you strap Orton again? I don't know that that gets gender over at all. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Well, let let me just point out one thing really quick. I'm just I'm I'm on Rusev's Twitter because I know he put something up interesting last night. Um, but he actually tweeted something 37 minutes ago, and it was a reply to the WWE's Twitter account that announced the Undertaker will go against Rusev in that casket match for Saudi Arabia. I don't know if you heard about that or not. Not. Yeah, it's going to be Undertaker versus Rusev in a casket match. And um, Rusev replied to that tweet and said, "Bury me softly, brother." <laughs> so I, I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was how, funny. Um, how I, I'm just a little uh, mind boggled at this. How do you go from uh, how do you go from <laughs> having a legend like the Undertaker and then <laughs> having him face off against a, a face Rusev. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I would think you would want to get over a heel with The Undertaker. Uh, even if you're going to, quote-unquote, bury them. Uh, <laughs> so this is, this is news to you. You had no idea. This is news to me. I, I don't understand the logic behind it. Uh, Rusev, your most over guy on SmackDown, you're going to have face Undertaker in a burial match? Casket match. A casket match? Yeah. Uh, sounds like a burial to me. It is. <laughs> I, Close enough. Why wouldn't you book like Baron Corbin in this match? As much as I dislike Baron Corbin, uh, I would have loved to have seen him in this match because it really could have helped establish him a little bit more. I mean, right. 
you know what I don't know what we're doing here with with Rusev. First of all, Rusev doesn't need the match. He's he doesn't. Got, you know, if if we can't even give him the U.S. title, if we can't even involve him in that feud, you know, between him and, and Gender, which wrote itself at WrestleMania, but we're just conveniently ignoring that now. If we can't yeah. even give that to him, why are we doing the Undertaker? I mean, why don't we take one one of our heels, like you said, uh, Baron Corbin? I think would be a great choice, actually. As much as I don't like him, um. You know, there's there's many guys who who would benefit from a moment like this with the Undertaker, uh, Rusev being one of the the top five over guys on SmackDown. Um, yeah, it, it it was trivial to me, but what I what I wanted to point out was, Rusev tweeted last night after he lost that U.S. title match, or whatever it was, the contendership. Uh, enough is enough. Maybe it's time for a change. Now, a lot of people might hear that and be like, oh, he's just working the crowd. He's, he's working the crowd. What, what you guys might not realize, and I've heard nobody talk about this, it was about – so we had the rumors that Rusev had asked for his release. We had that about a week or two ago. Mm. Um, two or three weeks before that, he and Lana both had tweeted their frustration with the company. Um Lana had tweeted that Rusev was more over than like Finn Balor and, and guys like that. Um, and I think Rusev had hinted something about the Bullet Club or something like that. So it's not like those tweets are unfounded. They were substantiated by the reports that came out two or three weeks later that said he had asked for his release. Taking that, taking that information, we now know that when Rusev is pissed off at the company – he has a tendency to tweet things like this and mean them. So with that said, what what would you do if you were Rusev? Would would you try to go go to creative? Would you go to Vince or would you just I think ultimately you have to go to Vince. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys have said before, you know, whether it's Stone Cold or Al Snow or or whoever, that if if you got a problem with the direction of your character or the way that the company's going with you you have to go to the man himself. You have to go to Vince. You have to voice your frustrations, I feel. Lesnar would do it, who apparently uh, almost got into an altercation with Vince at WrestleMania. Jeez, yeah. yep. You know, I think Rusev should. He should go to Vince and say, look, I'm willing to walk. I'm your second most over guy on SmackDown. Um, you know, just uh, the idea that you have Daniel Bryan returning his second matchup. The first person that the fans want to see him face is Rusev. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if you're Rusev, you go to Vince, you say, look, do you not hear this? And you're not using me to my full potential. You're not using me to your full potential. And if things don't change, I'm walking. Now, maybe that means his, um, he has to set out the rest of his contract. I don't know what his contract looks like. I would imagine but, it might be a similar situation to what Neville did, because uh, Neville's still technically under contract right now. Right. So, so I don't know. I mean, I think if your contract's running out and you don't have very long left, um, that would be the opportune time to really voice your your concerns as far as that and threaten to walk. You know, because if your contract's up and you're threatening to walk. You can just walk straight into another company, right? 
You know, and I think that is where it's going to hit Vince the most. Uh, I don't know. I know their contracts prevent them to, from going to like a, a TNA for 30 days. I'm not sure where it stands for ROH or some of these other indie outlets, which is a concern now because a lot of these smaller promotions are are getting bigger. And ROH in particular is catching a lot of traction, in, in, from what ROH I can tell. With the Bullet Club and their relationship yeah. with Japan. Um, considering, you know, I believe this coming September, there's the uh, big all-in show that Cody yep. Rhodes is doing. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming it's ROH supported. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but talk about a place where Rusev could actually jump in there and 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 add something. Um, if he would be cleared to go at that point or not. That'd be amazing. If I mean, I they... Vince, if I was Vince, this would be a concern for me because you have a guy that everybody's chanting his name. You have shirts that I'm sure are selling like crazy. Um, why not put him in a second tier feud? Let the crowd get behind him. See what you can do with it. Honestly, what else are they going to do? I mean, uh, the upper tier in, in WWE is pretty thin. So why not push guys the crowd are, are super behind? You know, we, we, if we look at it, yeah, we've got AJ up there. We should have Daniel Bryan up there. Besides that, you've got a question. Who else is up that upper tier level right now? Shinsuke, we're, you know, he should be. But with the way WWE's treating him, I don't know if he'll ever get up there. You know, that's just on SmackDown alone. So, yeah, I think Rusev could easily strap him with the U.S. title for a little while, do this feud with Jinder, both of them get over from it, move, move Rusev up to the, to the main uh, upper tier for that world title. It makes sense. Um, I mean, maybe they have other plans that we don't see. Maybe they don't want to strap Rusev with the U.S. belt because they're going to move him to Raw. It's tough to say. I mean, Superstar Shakeups next week. The Saudi Arabia event is end of the month, so maybe this comes out of Rusev moving to Raw and getting a, a heel push. But I, I can't imagine the fanfare that Rusev is getting that you could turn him heel so easily. Well, you know, I, I agree with all of those points. Uh, in particular, um, your point about Rusev moving to Raw. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, I put up. Uh, a post on my Twitter account. It's an article uh, that I wrote. Top five uh, superstars who would benefit from the superstar shakeup. Uh, I put Rusev on the list. I think is number three um, because the way things are going right now, uh, it's not working out so good. So I, I definitely think you know if if that's their plan to move him to Raw and to give him a push, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think it would be a great idea uh, because the way it's going now, um, you're, you're about to lose one of your most over guys in the company. Yeah, so um, I, I think that's I think that's that for Rusev. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, but circling back to the original discussion, Jinder and Orton, not a fan of this idea whatsoever. It should have been Rusev with Jinder, but you know they're they're going to do whatever they do for whatever reason. Uh, I don't think anybody would prefer this over Jinder and Rusev, but they have their reasons. Uh, but as a fan and as someone who has a brain that works, I don't see it. Yeah, I I don't know where this would go from here, except, uh, I mean, they could have easily said this was just his return match, 
so I don't know why I even do the, the triple threat for it. I would have saved it and just said, you know, this is Orton's return match, had Orton versus whoever, and then do this after the Saudi Royal Rumble and have Rusev win. You know, I don't see where Orton benefits anybody from this. No. this if they're going to go with this feud, I don't see where it benefits anybody. No, because Ginger's conquered him already, and, and Orton's already established in his legacy. Uh, no pun intended. He's already established there to where he, he doesn't even need to be, you know, he doesn't need a title or you know, anything like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but let's go ahead and we'll move on to our last topic for the day. Uh, we're re- heading up to about an hour and a half now, so I think this is a great time to um, talk about Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, for me, you know, last night he did that promo with Renee Young, and it came across kind of comical and almost lighthearted in a sense, you know. You could hear the crowd laughing at Shinsuke's responses to Renee Young's questions. Um, you know, I understand he attacked AJ and Brian at the end of SmackDown, uh, but it doesn't seem that is at this point that WWE is really all in with a, a full-blown heel Shinsuke, but instead more of this kind of mischievous um, character, which, you know, I, I don't know if that's exactly how I would do it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, far too often we, we've been getting this idea that heels are funny. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Heels aren't funny. They're, you know, if, if a heel does something that could be considered uh, laughable at all, it would be a heel being a dick. You know, I, I kind of relate it to like the heel is is like the jock character who maybe he does something to embarrass the other guy, but that should be an embarrassment within their environment, not with the viewer. You know, the viewer should see that funny dick move as cowardly and embarrassing and not as comical. So having Jin or having a Shinsuke come out and, and do these, these uh, comical bits. And I would just note that Shinsuke probably delivered those, with the best English he's done since in WWE on the main roster. And I have to wonder, like, is WWE having him do this fresh off the boat, uh, stereotype and, and not, not speaking, um, English as well as he probably could as a face, because I mean, leading up to WrestleMania, all we got was, you know, him walking up to AJ and just saying knee to face. Yeah. And almost like he struggles to do a promo. And then we come to last night and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was very emotional and I let my emotions get the best of me. Yeah. I am very sorry. And it was like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Which was actually way more uh, eloquent than he's ever been before in WWE. And then, for me, the end of the promo where he was like, sorry, I know speak English. To me, that was more of, was he kind of making fun of himself, you know? I, I don't know, you know. I mean, it's, it, it, was, it was a comical bit, and if he had done that to a heel, when, um, you know, like if you had Baron Corbin out there trying to, to talk smack to him, 
than him saying, I'm sorry, I, you know, I don't speak English. That would have been a funny bit. But to have a heel doing funny bits to, engenders them to the audience, especially when you had Shinsuke, who's already been engendered to the audience for so long. The fans really want to see Shinsuke win the big one. Uh, I don't see how this pushes a heel Shinsuke at all. Instead, it, it kind of you know backtracks it. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, it, to, to me, it just seems like you know, like like you said a few minutes ago, uh, we've gotten this idea that heels should be you know cool or funny. Um, you think back to some of the best heels in the business, and they were neither of those things. They were nasty. They were brutish. They were tough. They were menacing. They were intimidating. Um, but nowhere in in those list of adjectives did I say cool or funny. Because those are attributes that we tend to enjoy. Heels should not necessarily be enjoyable. With, with that said, I enjoyed that promo last night. But I did not enjoy it for a heel like Shinsuke is supposed to be. I think, it, I think like you said, it would have worked if he did it against Baron Corbin. Um, but for what it was, it, it wasn't... Uh, it, it didn't fully exhibit a heel attribute per se. Yeah. I mean, what they had to do was, you know, they book their two most over faces, Daniel Bryan versus uh, AJ Styles, or you know, one of their, two of their most over, over faces. And to get the heel heat that they want, they had Shinsuke interrupt the match. Um, that got some booze. But then to book, you know, him being funny, it just seems counterintuitive. Uh, you have fans laughing at him with him being funny. Then you have him interrupt the match and, and be a heel. Um, I thought they, they probably could have gotten more out of that than they did. Uh, they should have commented on, you know, Dan Bryan returning and Shinsuke hitting him with a Kinshasa. Uh, I would think they would have commented on the uh, fear factor of, of Dan Bryan getting a concussion yep. from such. I mean, they, really, yeah, they really heel, could have sold that. You really want him to be heel? That's the the direction I would have gone. Have him come out, interrupt the match, um, beat down both guys, and then you know continuously continuously attack Daniel Bryan uh, to the point where it looks like, oh, maybe his return isn't going to happen. I think that would have been best to exploit. Uh, I think you're definitely right. I mean, and I, I don't know if that falls on the announcers or if that falls more, if that's a directive a producer would give them. But, you know, to me, it would seem that if you're having Shinsuke come back, you know, in, into the match and he's taking his knee and driving it into the back of somebody's head who was just out of their job for two years because they've had concussions. Wouldn't that be the, the prime um, time to be able to go and make the audience fearful that their beloved Daniel Bryan may be back on the shelf again because of what this guy just did? I would think so. And I mean, I expect that every person watching, that's what was going through their head. So to not capitalize on that, I think was a huge mistake. You're, you're exactly right because if, if – because I, I thought it. And if, if your audience is thinking that, 
but the announcers don't really refer to it, you're going to push it back out of your head and be like, well, no, that's that's a crazy thought, you know. But if the announcers validate you like that, you're like, yeah. oh, man, he just came back and look at what's this bastard doing, you know. So Right. Uh, missed opportunity there, I think, definitely. Um, we'll see where this thing goes, uh, but I'm with you 100%. Uh, came across as really comical. Uh, he shouldn't shouldn't be at this point. Um, and I have a feeling, to be honest, it's going to continue. I don't think I don't think this was just a one-off type of promo. Um, I think this is the vision they have for the heel version of Shinsuke Nakamura. Everybody on Twitter just loved it. They just loved it. Yeah. They were you know all over. Oh my God, this is what I never knew I needed this and, and all this. They shouldn't love it. They should be pissed off, you know. Yeah, I mean, they sh we should be upset. We shouldn't, and I know there are fans out there that they're enjoying the product that they're given because they almost have pretentious saying this, but they don't know any better. And you know, I mean, that's not to say that so many other promotions are doing it right. But if you've watched wrestling for a long time, you can see what's, what's done good and what's done bad. And uh, this is not how you get a heel over. Uh, it's going to backfire in the long run. They're going to blame Shinsuke. And, you know, we'll see him back in Japan, I guess. Yep. But, you know, at, at what stage do, do you use him properly as a heel? I mean, you know, do they plan on strapping him? We don't know. I it's it's tough to call. It really is. And but it, they're not doing him any favors by having him be a little tongue in cheek and you know, now speaking kind of better English and then going, I I don't speak English. Um it's it's funny and I you know, I could I could go on about this all day really, about why heels shouldn't be funny. But, yeah. That's definitely something I think we could spend a lot of time talking about. I mean, there's a whole psychology behind it that I think is really lost, uh, at least in the modern product. Um, so that, that might be a great topic for a different show. Um, but, you know, I, I think just, just in, in summation, as far as Shinsuke is concerned, they're going to have to pull back a little bit and, and reevaluate before they put him back out there again next week. You can't, you can't have him coming across as a comedian or someone who's lovable. And I know, you know, it, it might take drastic measures. Do you, would you change, uh, something I would change is his theme song. Oh, absolutely. I would change his theme song. Uh, the fans love the theme song way too much. I mean, they could, uh, they could slow it down kind of have it a little bit more menacing or something with a you know a, a guitar instead of the violins um, yeah I, I would personally i think that's a good idea i would take it slow it down and maybe put it in a, a, a darker minor chord just kind of something that's kind of you know sombering and you're just like oh man it just makes you feel yeah. makes you feel i mean they even did it for austin when he had his uh small hill run yeah they kind of the tone they slowed it down a little bit just makes it a little bit more menacing but you know keeps the same sound I, I think that's a great idea i think that's definitely something they should at least think about doing for shinsuke um but you know as, as far as that's concerned 
we'll wait and see what happens. But, you know, I, I think regardless, he's going to have to get the better of Styles in the next exchange. He's going to have to come out on top. Or else everything, you know, his Rumble win and the fact that he lost at WrestleMania, it's all going to be in vain. Yeah, I, this all, it's, uh, I think they have to tread a very fine line here. Can't make him funny. I think you, you have to really, really heal it up as best you can. Um, I would kind of go with the uh, questionable route with uh, attacking Daniel Bryan and maybe sidelining him again. That'd be great. Keep, keep him off TV for a couple <laughs> weeks or something. Um, yeah, yeah we just have him with the medics and stuff. and You can just play up that storyline. So, yeah. I think Shinsuke kind of needs to align uh, with someone. You know, I mean, there's always a uh, Hideo and Tozawa they could bring up from 205 to be his kind of like his, you know, Bollywood boys. Right. I think right. you could align Shinsuke with a uh, Jinder Mahal in a very loose coalition. Um, I think you've got to do something to show Shinsuke is definitely heel. Um, and you know, hopefully that'll that'll get him over enough as a bad guy, keep him from being funny. That's that's the only thing I can really think of. When when you were just talking about having Shinsuke attack Brian and then you know kind of keeping all off of TV and stuff, I just I just had a flashback to I think it was two thousand two to uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Like I said, I think it was two thousand two, maybe two thousand three, when they were having their big feud. Uh, I think it was leading up to their SummerSlam match. Um, Triple H had really just destroyed Shawn Michaels, and I think it was the week after. Shawn Michaels came up on the Titantron and he had like a, a black eye painted on. And I mean, he was, he was just, you could see that he was so messed up and, and discouraged and down on himself. And I think applying the same concept to Shinsuke and Brian right now, or I mean, even Shinsuke and AJ, uh, just to get the face, a lot of sympathy. And then in turn, that'll rub off and, and make the crowd hate Shinsuke even more. Just some kind of aggression like that, I think would make all the difference. Yeah, I mean, Shinsuke, AJ, probably almost on the same level as far as who's over. So I think you kind of got to go a step further. Daniel Bryan, quite arguably the biggest face in the entire company. I think you have to go with Bryan to get Shinsuke that heat. Um, Otherwise, I think the fans aren't going to respond the way they want, especially when they're making him funny. Um, you got to have... Very good establishment of Shinsuke being a heel. All right. Well, I think that was a, a really good discussion about Shinsuke. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, hopefully they'll hear this and take some of our advice. Unlikely, but, you know, you can dream. Right. In closing, <laughs> is there is there anything else you want to add, add to this uh, podcast? Um, just that usually at this stage – Wrestle right after WrestleMania, you, you have the biggest Raw and SmackDown of the year. I think both, you know, and people will argue with me on this. I think both kind of fell flat. Um, both kind of don't have a direction. You know, I think WWE is grasping at straws right now as to what to do. You know, their faces are being booed, their heels are being cheered. The faces that are being cheered aren't being used properly. Um, I, I just question as a company what direction they're going um, and and who has uh, the reins, so to speak, to the company right now and making these decisions as they're, they're just going down a, a bad path 
Um, will they get back on track after the the greatest rule rumble ever? You know, end of the month, so it's hard to say if that was in their plans, um, interjected into their plans to to pull off a lot of things there or not. So I guess we'll we will see. These are some of the it's biggest all- questions that life has to offer right now. There's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> no, but but seriously, I, I do wonder. You know, who who's got the say in all of this? And because whoever it is, you know, you're not doing a very good job, to put it nicely. So, um, when we consider it a takeover into the mix-up, takeover was a perfect pay-per-view. Yeah, uh, they worked well. They seem to be on the right track. And when you compare the two, it's, you know, heads and tails. It's you know, night and day. And I, I think most fans would be willing to agree with that statement, at least based off of the praise I saw on social media for TakeOver. Um, there's no way you can come out of that weekend and say that WrestleMania had the, had the best show. There's no way you can say that. It didn't. Yeah. First of all, it didn't have the emotion. It didn't, it didn't have the buildup. Look, the buildup sucked, okay? There's no way you can go and say that that WrestleMania was even on the same level as NXT was. You got Gargano and Ciampa tearing it up because they hate each other. It's personal. And you got the the NXT ladder match where any one of those guys could have come up with the win. Anybody could. They all went out there to put on the show of a lifetime. They seriously pulled it off. Uh, One of the best shows I've seen in, in such a long time. And it's coming out of NXT where... You know, announcers are allowed to get excited about what they're doing. They're not constantly being told what to say. They're not constantly trying to follow this corporate formula, the, the, the formula at that that sucks. The recipe sucks. And any formula that they're trying to follow on the main roster is, is failing. It, it just screams corporate shill. And it really gets aggravating to see sometimes. I swear to God, if they come back next Monday and they start talking about how we're in another wacko city where they cheer the the faces, they cheer the heels and boo the faces, if they try to come out with some crap like that, I am changing the channel. Because what they are doing by saying that, we suck at our jobs. We can't get a face over. We can't get a heel over. We don't know how to make people feel what they should feel. With, like you said, the antagonist and the protagonist, we don't know how to write. We don't know how to gauge our audience. We don't know how to get these guys over and do what we're paid to do. I, I think that's, I think I've said enough on that one. But <laughs> you're absolutely right. Uh, there's there's no reason at this stage that they shouldn't know what to do. I mean, this company's been around for a long time. It's a global company, and it. It's get gotten its success from doing just that, but at a stage where you had a lot of veteran wrestlers come in, they end up in WWE, they make it their home. They know how to, to portray their characters. They know how to get their characters over. They fought for it, and they were willing to, to take the ball and go home, like you know Steve Austin did a number of times. Yep. And uh, you know Austin fought for what he wanted, and he knew he was capable of doing it, and uh, you know, I mean, we got guys now, there's parallels with Rusev and Austin like that, but where does Rusev have to go? You know, he 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 came in through the NXT system, and he wasn't a big-time veteran, so all he's ever known was WWE. But we see guys like Cody, who have gone on, showing them that, hey, there is life out there outside of WWE. 
Bullet Club taking the world by storm. New Japan. The name's really getting out there. ROH, the name's getting out there. WWE could be in trouble in the long run. Yep. I, I think that's actually a great place to end the show. Um, there, there's so many possibilities right now in, in the world of wrestling in general, not just with WWE, but, you know, there, there's so many variables right now. And I think we've seen, we're seeing a very different uh, wrestling structure and community than we've seen in the past few years. Um, but like you said, Cody Rhodes has proven there is life outside WWE, and I just can't help but wonder if Rusev might go that way. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. But Sam, hey, I really appreciate you joining us today. It's been a lot of fun talking about this. Um, is there anything else you want to add? We're about to shut this thing down. Uh, nothing in particular. Thanks uh, for having me on again. Well, absolutely. Thanks for joining me. Everybody, make sure to check out Sam Keola and the Loose Cannon on Midcard Mana over on YouTube. Um, if you go back on my Twitter feed, you can scroll down. I'm sure you'll find some videos from these guys. They put out some great content. Sam, thanks again for joining us. I think this has been a great discussion, and I uh, look forward to having you back on in the future. Thank you. I, I look forward to that. All right. Until next time. <laughs>